to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the Dolphins 2022 coaching staff is now official, and we're going to cover it from top to bottom with an introduction to the newcomers, the players they've coached, the accomplishments, the years of experience, the all pros they have produced, and a heck of a lot more from Mike McDaniel's first staff here in Miami. From somewhere in South Florida, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Real quick before we jump into this here, a, a roster move to announce. The Dolphins have signed former Washington State wide receiver River Craycraft, formerly of the Denver Broncos and San Francisco 49ers as well. But I know him as a really, really good slot receiver in college, a guy that's caught seven balls as a pro, also has some returnability as well. So River Craycraft from the Palouse to South Florida, just like yours truly. Let's go ahead and jump right into this coaching staff as Mike McDaniel did not waste a lot of time rounding out his staff and making all those Dolphins fans in that 25 to maybe 35, 40 age demographic where I grew up, very happy with a few of these hires and really the entire coaching staff. But in terms of the nostalgia factor, hit that one out of the park as well. Sam Madison, Patrick Sertan, and Wes Welker all joined the Dolphins staff. I think it's a very... Very cool nod to the past to get those guys back in the building and back on staff. Let's go ahead and start here. We already covered Mike McDaniel extensively, and you can check out all of his content. There is a Mike McDaniel tab on MiamiDolphins.com. We had a whole week's worth of podcasts on Coach McDaniel as well. So MiamiDolphins.com across social platforms, myself at NFL. On YouTube, you can find the interview with myself and Joanna Torres, as well as his introduction press conference. We have covered Coach McDaniel. Let's go ahead and cover his coaching staff here, starting with offensive coordinator Frank Smith, who began his career in college with Miami of Ohio, where he actually coached on a staff with Ben Roethlisberger, or the year Ben Roethlisberger was there with the Red Hawks, and then also at the University of Butler as an offensive line coach and later as an offensive coordinator. Then he got his call to the National Football League with the New Orleans Saints between 2010 and 2014 on the offensive line. And listen to these accolades. Jari Evans was a Pro Bowler all five years. He went to the he was an All Pro four of those times as well. His 2011 season came with an approximate value. This is a Pro Football Reference stat to kind of measure a player's impact that year at 20. That was the highest ever for an offensive guard. Evans also made five All Pro teams, and Carl Nix made two All Pro teams there. The only two of his career with the New Orleans Saints. And in fact, Nix's AV in 2008 and 09 were 9 and then 10. Then once Frank Smith got there and arrived, it goes to 13 and then up to 19. Both of those obviously the all-pro seasons. Then he leaves to Tampa Bay in free agency and never exceeds an AV of 4 again. That's going to be a theme in this podcast. Just remember that. That line also had Zach Streif, who was never a starter until 2011. Entering that year, his career best AV was 3. Then upon Smith's arrival... 76899 with Smith as his coach. It also had Jermon Bushrod, who didn't start his first two years. He got the Saints left tackle job that 2009 Super Bowl year, and he was good with an AV of nine. Then the next eight seasons, Smith's first, but then in 2011, 
13 AV and a Pro Bowl. Improvement right away, once again from Coach Smith, which he would then repeat in 2012 for Bushrod before leaving to the Bears in 2013, where his AV never hit double digits again. That line also had Charles Brown, whose career spanned the same years that Smith was in New Orleans, didn't play in 2010 as a rookie, then got eight games and an AV of eight in 2011, and then 10 games with an AV of three in 2012, but then he started all 16 games in 2013 with an AV of eight before leaving to the Giants in free agency and never had an AV over one again. Again, this is a theme. Players have their career years under these coaches on the staff. That line would add Brian De La Puente in 2011, a center whose AV of 8, 9, and 9 at center, his first three years all under Smith of above-average play, goes to the Bears and never surpasses an AV of 3 again. Add in Ben Grubbs in 2012, and he was he was always good, but he made as many Pro Bowls in three seasons with the Saints as he did the other six years of his career, one in each of those, and his AV that year was a career-best 11. Add to Ron Armstead, who's still cranking right now, in 2013. That's one of the best left tackles in football over the last decade. He spent his first three years under Smith, going from an AV of two in his rookie season to eight in both 2014 and 2015. Growth and development. He then moved on to coach the Chicago Bears tight ends between 2015 and 2017. And before 2015, Zach Miller's career high was 216 yards. Then Smith arrives, 439 yards, 486 yards, then 236 in an injury-shortened 2016 season where he played half the year, so right back on track for those 500 or so yards. So he essentially, with Smith, produced double his passing game output that he had collected pre-Smith's arrival. That 2015 season was also when the Bears were a primary 12 personnel team that had also Martellus Bennett. Now, he didn't have a career year that year playing just 11 games, but that offense ran through the two tight ends in the running game. They're headed up by Frank Smith. That's also where Michael, Pru- Michael Pruitt's career began, the seven-year blocking tight end now with the Titans. Logan Paulson, Deion Sims also played there, and Adam Shaheen. Plenty of guys that have had impacts in NFL teams under these coaches. Smith then changed cities, but stayed in the same position with the tight ends for the Raiders between 18 and 20. And fancy a guess who else arrived in 2018 there with the Raiders. That's right, Darren Waller. And by 2019, Waller caught 90 for 1,145 yards, then follows that up with a bucko seven catches for 1,196 yards, 12 touchdowns total across those two seasons. And for what it's worth, Waller's yards per target went to 7.2 in 2021 after Smith left compared to 8.2 and 9.8 the two years prior. And oh, by the way, while Waller was taking that 2018 season to develop and become an all-pro tight end that he was, Jared Cook made the Pro Bowl just because, why not? Because that's what this coach does. He creates these, not creates, but he helps guys realize their Pro Bowl and all-pro potential with a career-best 68 catches and a career-best 896 receiving yards and his second-highest touchdown total, six of them. Again, these coaches have found a way to get career production from almost every guy they've coached. It's crazy. It's going to be a fun podcast. And to finish that, that was Gruden's first year. And remember how perplexed some folks were when the Raiders just kept loading up that tight end room? I even remember saying myself on Twitter, like, they're going to run 13 personnel as their primary package in 2018? That'll be fun. Because even while Waller only got six targets that season, you had Cook, Lee Smith, who had been one of the best blocking tight ends in football for the better part of a decade. Then also Derek Carrier, who has been around the league as well and blocking tight end. So really accomplished players across the board. And then he goes back to the offensive line for the Chargers now and also the run game coordinator. And the Chargers go from 30th to 17th in rushing per attempt from 20 to 21. That's without and with Frank Smith. And Rashawn Slater had a lot of folks 
talking rookie of the year last year. And as we see it play out every time, that's extremely rare for a lineman to even get mentioned for that award. But he did it in an all-pro season, which also, by the way, Corey Lindsley makes an all-pro team. So add two more all-pros in addition to Darren Waller, Jari Evans, and Carl Nix to his his pelt on the wall. And how about these improvements, number or side-by-side numbers from 2020 to 2021 for the Chargers offense, pre-Frank Smith and the one year with Frank Smith. 201 pressures down to 161 pressures, a 20% pressure reduction. 42 quarterback hits to 31 quarterback hits. 28th in pass blocking efficiency by PFF down to 5th, 5th best. Their rushing touchdowns, 28th up to 10th most. Yards per rush, 3.8 up to 4.3, a full half yard better. They're rushing DVOA, 31st up to 14th. Every number across the board got better. As far as Coach Smith's experience, he has 12 in the National Football League and 18 total as a coach. Our quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator is Daryl Bevel. He has 22 years of NFL experience and 25 total coaching years of experience. 14 players have made all pros under his watch. Let's go over it. He had three jobs in college between 96 and 99. He was a passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Westmar, a GA at Iowa State, and a receivers coach at UConn. Plenty well-traveled there. He then made the jump to the National Football League, where he coached Brett Favre as an assistant quarterbacks coach between 2000 and 2002. Then he got the quarterbacks job between 03 and 05. Now, Favre had three MVPs when... Bevel arrived, but Bevel's first year as full-time quarterbacks coach was Favre's best season since the last MVP in 1997. 32 touchdowns at a 6.8% touchdown clip. That's the second best of Favre's career, and Favre finished third and second in MVP votings over those years with Daryl Bevel. He also made three Pro Bowls and passed for 161 touchdowns over that span, and that was the last time Bevel was a position coach until now, obviously. But I think you look at what the Packers staff did with some of the Quarterbacks they developed under Favre. Hasselbeck's second and final season in Green Bay was Bevel's first. Then after four years with a combination of Doug Peterson, Craig Nall, and J.T. O'Sullivan, the Packers gave Bevel, now the full-time quarterbacks coach, a rookie by the name of Aaron Rodgers. And from this 2020 story on ESPN, Rodgers said that Bevel was to credit for undergoing a major fundamental change going from Cal to the National Football League, where he held the football in his drop back up by his ear hole, and Bevel coached him to be more natural and lower the football, which would then tie in the feet with the routes. And this is me talking now. Such a critical element of the position to have the feet match the drop, to match the concept and progression. Roger said that was his first important lesson in the league, and it came from Daryl Bevel. Interesting in that article, he also mentions coaching someone who was older than him and Brett Favre, and now here he is ready to teach someone half his age and Tua Tungavailoa and with plenty of wisdom going into it. And this is something we'll talk about with offensive line coach Matt Applebaum, who had a great clip that made the rounds on social. I'm sure you've seen it by now, where he discussed teaching and understanding that you can't just go up to a player and yell at them and try to get them to basically insert assert your will on them to force them into a certain player or regimen, whatever the case may be, that you have to communicate. And Daryl Bevel said something familiar or similar, I should say, to that, talking about how he had to coach Brett Favre, a guy who was older than him when he got that first job. So Bevel also played quarterback at Wisconsin under Brad Childress, who hired Bevel as his offensive coordinator when he got the Vikings job. That was from 2006 to 2010. And guess what the Vikings did in 06? Just like the Packers in 05, they drafted a quarterback highly in the second round with Tavares Jackson. Now, 
Jackson was kind of a project type coming out of Alabama State, a physically gifted quarterback who would make two starts that rookie year after coming out of a lower-level school that needed some seasoning, most people thought, before taking over for 12 games in 2007 and an 8-4 record that year. Jackson said in 2018 in a story about Bevel, he's detailed, he's prepared, he gets guys on the same page, and he plays to their strengths. Sound familiar there with Coach Mike McDaniel? Jackson also said Daryl is very selective. He wasn't going to work in a program that's not a good organization and not on their way up. That's what he wants to go to at this stage of his career. And the Vikings were a top offense, a top 10 offense, I should say, twice in Bevel's five years there. Bevel had some studs, Steve Hutchinson, Matt Burke, Bryant McKinney, Artis Hicks on that offensive line, and really originally carved paths for Muelde Moore and Chester Taylor behind Tony Richardson, an all-pro fullback that he coached. But by far, Chester Taylor's two best years came when Bevel arrived. A 1,216-yard, six-touchdown season in 06, and an 844-yard, seven-touchdown season in 07. And in fact, those two seasons accounted for nearly half of his career yardage, 43%, and exactly half of his career touchdown production, 50%. He played 10 years. Those two years with Bevel, about half of his production. Now, in 2007, they got another back, and he ran for 1,341 yards. In addition to Taylor's 844 that year, that's over 2,100 yards on the ground. That guy was Adrian Peterson, who would then run for 1,760, 1,383, 1,298 under Bevel, but it's AP, man. I think the best part in terms of just designing an offense was how much they were able to get Peterson involved in the screen and passing game, making him a factor on third down that way, because that wasn't really his game in college, but he caught the ball for nearly 1,200 yards in those four years. Keep your best players in the field and give them the football, right? That's what Coach McDaniel says. The best way to get yak is to put the football in your best runner's hands. He also got another playmaker in that 07 season in Sidney Rice, who would have his one monster season as a pro with the Vikings in 09, his lone Pro Bowl season with 1,312 yards and eight touchdowns. And they always had a burner too, Troy Williamson, Bernard Berrien, and then finally Percy Harvin on that dominant 09 team where Brett Favre came back. And tight ends were certainly a type. Jim, Cl- Jim Kleinsaucer, remember him? He was one of those kind of Swiss Army knife type of tight end fullback guys, Jermaine Wiggins. A nice tidbit here. Childress called the 06 offense and they had a 57 to 43 pass to run balance. When Bevel took over, the Vikings ran the ball with Adrian Peterson, 51%, 51%, 48%. That was the first year of Favre and then down to 45%, but always more than what Childress called. You have to imagine his expertise in the run game and how to see that for the quarterback will go a long way as a quarterback's coach here from Miami. Remember we talked about checking out of bad plays and running into favorable counts Bevel's OC experience and coaching across the entire offensive landscape should only help in that regard. On to the next stop, and it was a long one, to Seattle for 2011 to 2017 as the offensive coordinator. We mentioned Jackson earlier. Bevel coached him in Seattle, including a career year in 2001 with over 3,000 passing yards and 14 touchdowns. In that same story from the Minnesota section, Jackson discussed the play that so many people talk about in the Super Bowl. He said, we worked on that play. This is the Malcolm Butler play. We worked on that play every day in practice. We just didn't execute it right. It was more of a player thing. We also mentioned Harvin earlier. Now, here's where I get really excited because, remember, Harvin followed Bevel to Seattle after Minnesota, and there was a lot of buzz about how the Seahawks offense was beginning to revolutionize a bit under Russell Wilson with Harvin and and Bevel. And I found a USA Today article from 2014 that talks about the Seahawks game plan with lots of zone read built around misdirection capability, whether he was lining up in the backfield or motioning across the formation, 
The defense had to account for where he was in the field, that article states. And they also state that Bevel knew that Harvin's presence had to be accounted for and it created opportunities for others. What does that sound familiar like? And also, who does that sound familiar for like a Jalen Waddell? Marshawn Lynch was traded to Seattle in 2010. Then in 2011, that's when he became Marshawn Lynch. 1,200 yards, 1,590, 1,257, 1,306. Four straight Pro Bowls upon Bevel's arrival. He also ran for no lower than 11 touchdowns those seasons for a total of 48 touchdowns in those four seasons. One thing you'll see across the staff, McDaniel, Smith, Applebaum, their teams run the ball into the end zone with consistency. All of these guys love the running game, especially in the red zone. Doug Baldwin developed there. His first year as a UDFA was Bevel's first. By 2013, Baldwin had 50 for 778 and five touchdowns. And by 2016, he was a pro bowler with back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons as a slot receiver who went undrafted with 21 touchdowns to boot, by the way. When Doug retired, he sent a huge thread of tweets in them, a photo of he and Bevel with the caption, and don't forget the coaches. There will be good ones. There will be better ones. You'll come, you'll come to appreciate the great ones, even if others don't, end quote. Golden Tate also saw his career take off under Bevel with increasing yards from 2011 rookie season all the way through 2013 and his divorce with Seattle, finishing with 898 in year number four. We saw Robert Gallery have a nice second stanza here. We saw them develop Justin Britt, James Carpenter, Max Unger made an all-pro team, Russell Okung into a quality offensive line. We also saw them transition from that power running team to leaning more on Russell Wilson in the later years, especially that 2016 season. And it should be noted that Bevel was there to work hand-in-hand with Wilson, a third-round post-grad transfer from North Carolina State who was too short to play the position, right? Well, <laughs> no. Under Bevel, Wilson threw for 161 touchdowns and 56 picks, an average 8.1 yards per dropback, and a 98.8 passer rating. Wilson would later recommend Bevel for his job with the Jaguars, citing Bevel's ability to get him ready to perform at a high level very quickly his rookie season. Helpful for young quarterbacks. What does Miami have? Young quarterback. In total, the Seahawks finished top 10 in scoring offense four of his seven years there and as high as fourth in total yards in 2015 and also ninth in 2014. After Seattle, Bevel went on to Detroit to work with the latest Super Bowl champion, Matt Stafford, between 19 and 20 as the offensive coordinator and interim head coach in 2020. Does anybody remember how gangbuster Stafford came out of the gates in 2019? He got hurt after eight games. But he had his best passer rating that year of 106. <laughs> 19 touchdowns, 5 picks, and 9.1 yards per dropback. Not per pass, per dropback. They were cooking. They had the vertical game. That's where they had Kenny Galladay arrive onto the scene. Made his lone Pro Bowl that year with 1,190 yards and 11 touchdowns. He played just 5 games his second year there with Bevel. Those 11 touchdowns are more than any other 4 years of his career combined. And the yardage is more than a third of his career production. DeAndre Swift was there, 4.6 yards per carry as a rookie, and 8 touchdowns, 878 yards from scrimmage, and 10 total touchdowns, as well as 46 catches for 357. And that brings us to 2021, where he coached Trevor Lawrence as the OC for the Jacksonville Jaguars before taking over as the interim head coach there in place of Urban Meyer. So in conclusion, he coached Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Hasselbeck, Russell Wilson. We saw Chester Taylor, Sidney Rice, Percy Harvin, Marshawn Lynch, all have their best years in his system, and he winds up with 14 players who played at an all-pro level under his staff. Two Super Bowl wins, and, and or two Super Bowl appearances, I should say, and one victory in his career. What a great career. What a great placement here for the Miami Dolphins in their quarterback room. We're going to come back here next and talk about more of these coaches here on this 2022 coaching staff announcement edition of the Drive Time Podcast presented by Auto Nation. 
picking right back up here on the Drive Time Podcast, the 2022 coaching staff announcement podcast here. We're picking it back up with the receiver's position and welcome home Wes Welker, who made it the second stop of his career and really got most of his production going in his career here with the Miami Dolphins. Between 2017 and 2018, he was with the Houston Texans as an offensive and special teams assistant coming off of his playing career. Then between 19 and 21, he makes the jump over to the Niners to be the receivers coach. And obviously 2019 was their Super Bowl season there with the Niners. He had the one appearance, hasn't won a game or hasn't won a Super Bowl as a coach there. Five years NFL experience, uh, all of all of his coaching experience in the National Football League, and one All-Pro in Debo Samuel. And that receiver room with Kendrick Bourne, Emmanuel Sanders, Dante Pettis, Richie James, Jordan Matthews, and a rookie by the name of Samuel. Bourne saw his breakout year in 2020 with 667 yards and 9 yards per target. It was 8.1 the year prior, a big jump from pre-Welker years with 7.6 and 7.4. He had his career highs this year with the Patriots, but signed as a primary target in their passing game after being developed by Welker and the 49ers. He also got Sanders on boarded mid-season that 2019 Super Bowl year, and he winds up with 502 for three touchdowns in 10 games with the team. Then, of course, there's Debo, who gained 961 yards from scrimmage and six total touchdowns that season. He missed nine games in 2020, then came back with an MVP type of season this last year, which we covered extensively on the McDaniel podcast. Samuel was asked during Radio Road in the Super Bowl week, who was the next Mike McDaniel? And his answer was Wes Welker. Finally, the addition of Brandon Ayuk, who had 748 yards and an 826-yard season. He also had 1,668 yards from scrimmage and 12 touchdowns his two seasons under Wes Welker. And I can proudly say that I think his most impressive accomplishment during his three years with the Niners, getting my guy River Craycraft from Washington State University, six catches, or seven catches, I should say, six in one season. And now here he is with the Miami Dolphins. Scooting along here to the tight end coach position and assistant head coach in John Embry, who began his career at Colorado in 1991, went to the high school ranks in 92. Then he came back to Colorado to coach tight ends. He then coached D-end, back to tight end, then receiver and kicking by the time it was all done in 02. Then he moved to UCLA as an assistant head coach and receivers coach. Then he moved to the receivers and went back to the tight ends. Been all over the place. Then he made his jump into the NFL in 2006, where he coached Tony Gonzalez, the tight end who caught 268 for 3,130 yards and 20 touchdowns in those three seasons. And that includes his only ever back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons of his career and his highest three-year total of his entire Hall of Fame career. Then on to Washington in 2010, where he coached, check out this room, Chris Cooley, Fred Davis, Logan Paulson, three guys who played for a combined 27 years. That season, Cooley matched a career high with 849 yards. And you might remember Cooley as kind of the pioneer of that H-back position in the modern game. He was used offset in the backfield, in line, flexed all over the place. Then it was back to Colorado as the head coach. That was a two-year stint that did not work out. He then goes back to the National Football League and to the Cleveland Browns in 2013, where Jordan Cameron goes from 26 career catches and 259 career yards and a touchdown to his next two years to have 80, 9, 17, and 7 in 2013. All those career bests, not just career best, but his next highest total in each category was 35. That's less than half catches. 424 yards, also less than half, and three also less than half in terms of touchdowns. That team also had Gary Barnage, who could line up in line and get work in the round game against tight ends and backers. Also, Marquise Gray, remember him? Speaking of his H-back role back in that 2016 season, 
well-rounded tight end rooms under John Embry. 2014, Tampa Bay. He was there from 2014 to 2016, coached Cameron Brait to a career year, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Luke Stalker, and that 2016 career year for Brait, 57 catches, 660, and 8 touchdowns. All of those were the best in his career, and he's still there with the Buccaneers today. Safarian Jenkins didn't work out, though if you look at his numbers in Tampa Bay, leaving there was basically the beginning of the end for him, sans that pop-up 2017 season with the New York Jets. Then finally, spent the last five years with the Niners. This from George Kittle on Instagram after learning that Embry would, lo- would be moving on. Being able to start my career with you was the best thing possible for me. You showed me the standard at which you have to play to have a chance to succeed in this league, always reminding me to have fun and to give great effort. You convinced me to never give up on a run or, or run out of bounds, I should say, and set the tone with each play with or without the football. So we know what he did with Kittle there too over that time all-time receiving production, and the best blocking tight end in the National Football League to boot. John Embry brings 16 years NFL experience, 31 years coaching experience, five all-pros in his room. Tony Gonzalez three times, George Kittle twice. He's been to one Super Bowl. How about a coach that stays on staff here with a whole bunch of experience and pelts on the wall in his own right? Eric Studisville, the running backs coach, 25 years NFL experience, 31 total, two Super Bowl appearances, one victory. We know he's run multiple schemes from the early Buffalo days, a gap in power to Denver and some wide zone action. That unique Frank Gore 2018 season with all the different looks the Dolphins gave that season worked in the backfield full of day three picks and UDFAs. And every time he asks me, how's that little girl doing, Travis? It makes me like him a whole bunch more. So Eric Sudisville stays on as a running backs and associate head coach. Valuable, valuable experience. Well regarded in that building as one of the most knowledgeable, respected coaches in the entire building. Back to the newcomers along the offensive line and Matt Applebaum, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, four years National Football League experience, 14 total as a coach. He began his career at Central Connecticut State coaching tight ends, made a jump to Washington between 08 and 2010 as a player personnel and offensive assistant there, then went to the University of Miami as a GA and then got his first offensive line room at Bucknell in 2013 before taking a year back to the NFL as a Jaguars offensive assistant. Then he goes back to coaching offensive lines across national across college football. Southeast Louisiana, Davidson, then got a higher a promotion to offensive coordinator at Davidson in 2017 before going to Towson in 2018 to 2019 and then making that jump to Boston College these last two seasons. Pro Football Focus had them as the number two graded offensive line in college football all season. So there's that. But what about the individuals? He'll produce three pros, probably all draft picks this year, and Zion Johnson, a first-round pick all day. Also, Tyler Vrabel, a six-foot-five tackle, and Alec Lindstrom, the brother of Chris, who was a first-rounder back in 2019. So his recent success in coaching has come from developing younger players to make that jump to the professional ranks. Assisting on the offensive side of the football will be Chandler Henley, an assistant quarterbacks coach, Lemuel Jean-Pierre as an assistant offensive line coach, Colby Smith, Mike Pearson, and Aldrick Robinson as offensive assistants, and Josh Grizzard as quality control. So some retention there with Grizzard and John Pierre coming back on staff here and some others as well. We'll finish up this podcast on the other side here and get to the defensive side of the staff next on the Drive Time Podcast brought to you by AutoNation. We have covered the offensive assistance here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, introducing you to the 2022 Miami Dolphins coaching staff. And we pick it up here on the defense with some guys that are coming back, including defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who has two years of DC experience here in Miami and akin to Mike McDaniel. A lot of this staff 
where he's got this 15 plus years of experience in this league, coaching multiple different positions, all kinds of success in terms of guys that have gone to all pros and just really developed different guys across his entire career. Look at his experience here. 16 years in the National Football League, 21 total as a head coach, or as a coach, I should say. Six different All-Pros here. Devin McCourty in 2010 under Josh Boyer. Aqib Tlaib in 2013. Darrell Revis in 2014. Malcolm Butler in 2016, a former undrafted free agent. Stephon Gilmore in 2018. And then Xavier Howard in 2020. Five Super Bowl appearances, two victories in the big game. Josh Boyer, tons of experience, tons of aggressive aggressive style of defense as well as experience and what you want to do here to kind of help this defensive personnel match what you have in terms of the system. Josh Boyer is a great conduit to accomplish just that. Also a super friendly guy who always asks me what's going on Travis whenever I see him. Friendly to talk to and an absolute team historian who can go back and tell you everything about the Shula Dolphins. Great to have him back on staff. Also back on staff defensive line coach Austin Clark whose defensive line led the National Football League last year in batted passes. That was a point of emphasis he and I would talk about all the time in terms of just coaching guys to create that space and get up and get their hands in the football and how much that can impact the passing game. He also talked all the time about the selfless room that he he's so proud to be a part of, how he reflects that too, because every time I ask him about giving himself credit, he'll put it onto the players and talk about how lucky he is to get to coach those guys. They were also one sack shy of the team record this year. And you go to a man, like whether it was Andrew Van Ginkle's an outside linebacker, Clark's first year here as an OLB coach, or Emmanuel Ogba on the defensive line, or Christian Wilkins, who had the most tackles by a defensive tackle this season that anybody in the NFL's had since 2013. All of those guys will credit Austin Clark when you ask him about their pass rush prowess, how to use their hands. He is very well thought of among the players, and the production speaks for itself. Also coming back, linebackers coach Anthony Campanelli. We've seen Jerome Baker's role really evolve essentially on a weekly basis and Anthony Campanelli has been instrumental to that. We've also seen him get guys like Duke Riley and Sam Egwavon and Kamu Gruje-Hill to make some impact plays as rushers and sub-package guys and finding different ways to get those guys involved in the run game, pass game, rush game. He came from Michigan, coached guys like Josh Uche and Chase Winovich over there. Also a very, very nice dude, very friendly. And I love talking about food with Coach. Again, these guys... They care about the people in the building. The relationships are so crucial to them, and that's going to be consistent across the staff. And nobody feels that more than me, the podcast guy walking around, you know, having coaches say, "Hey, Travis, how are you doing?" Like it goes so far, and that's what all these guys are to their core. Uh, how about a newcomer here, outside linebackers coach Tyrone McKenzie? After a five-year playing career, actually, hang on, I didn't get you guys experience in the last two guys. Clark, two years in the NFL, thirteen total. Campanelli, two years in the National Football League. 16 total. And then Tyrone McKenzie, five years in the National Football League, nine total. After a five-year playing career, McKenzie's first coaching job was here in his high school football hometown in Florida. Then he made a jump to college at Colorado and Stanford in 2015-2016, respectively, before getting his first NFL job under the great Bones, John Fossil, in Los Angeles as an assistant special teams coach. And that year, they put Farrell Cooper as a return man, Greg Zerline, and as a kicker, and Johnny Hecker as a punter. All three of those guys were all pro that year. Then, when Mike Vrabel got his job in 2018, the first inside linebacker coach he appointed was McKinsey, and he worked there for two years as the ILB coach. And some of the players that he coached, Jayon Brown. Now, this is the comp that I gave Jerome Baker back in that 2018 draft. Super speedy, instinctive linebacker with coverage and blitz skills for days. By far, his most production came in his two years with McKinsey. 97 and 105 tackles. His next best was 76. He also made eight of his 17 career TFLs in 2019 
and 10 of his 18 QB hits that year under McKinsey. Rashawn Evans, the best years of his career, was the one full season he spent with McKinsey. 2019 with 111 tackles, a career best, also top in sacks, QB hits, and approximate value. Wesley Woodard, his last year in the NFL as a starter of a 12-year career, had his third highest tackle total with 113 and his third best QB pressure season with seven hits and a career best AV of nine in that final season. Then his lone season in Detroit, he coached Jelani Tavai to a career high in tackles and forced fumbles before going to the Colts in 2021 on their staff as a coaching fellow. I'm not sure what that means, but that's what his title was there in Indianapolis. Another newcomer, cornerbacks coach and passing game specialist, Sam Madison, 10 on 10, 2-9, returns to South Florida. We all obviously know about the playing career of Sam Madison. Four Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. He won a Super Bowl with the Giants. All of those past uh, Pro Bowls were back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back again. I'm back again, and the All-Pros were too, including the best game I've ever seen from a cornerback. Three picks, an additional pass breakup, and a pick six, and a 17-0 win over the Tennessee Titans. Was it the t- yeah, Tennessee Titans in 1999. And as we heard in the Pat Sertan episode of The Fish Tank, Sam was all about that 10-on-10 life. I'm going to lock this guy down. The rest of you are playing 10-on-10. A true number one corner mindset. 38 career picks, 10 uh, forced fumbles, 3 defensive touchdowns. That guy coaching X and Byron, a little bit excited about that. Then he went on to coaching, and all he's done there is win, win, win. Two Super Bowl appearances. He's never coached a season without going to the AFC Championship game. 2019, he was the Chiefs cornerbacks coach. 2021 through 2020, or 2020 through 2021, I should say. He was the cornerbacks and secondary coach there. He's coached one player to two All-Pro seasons, Tyron Matthew, who took to Twitter to express his gratitude for 10 on 10 himself. He said, Dolphins are getting a real one, player perspective and technique guru. He's going to be the same guy every day. Of course, it's great to hear that from one of the great defensive backs in the history of the game. Talk about Madison's approach as a coach. Very valuable, but also... Man, we know how that dude operates. I'm so excited for this. Also, how about that clip of Coach walking through the halls at Baptist Health Training Complex, listing off the legends on the wall. Sam Madison, Sanka, Ricky Williams, let's go. Just too perfect. Also for Madison, are you guys familiar with the name Legereus Sneed? Well, first, remember that 2020 cornerback class? That was arguably the most impressive cornerback class in like a decade with Jeff Okuda up top. C.J. Henderson goes number nine, then four more first-round corners in that draft, and I think there are two real lessons here. Number one, cornerback is tough. It's a tough position to contribute at from an early age. There are, there's elite college receivers on the field every time you see, every time you line up on an NFL football field, and you're going to get targeted as a rookie. We saw Okuda struggle with it. We saw Henderson trade within his first two years. A.J. Terrell, drafted number 16, had a tough rookie season, but then he bounced back and had an all-pro caliber second year. My point is it's tough to contribute as a rookie for even those taken on night one of the draft. Well, Legereus Sneed didn't hear his name called until Saturday in the fourth round, the 16th cornerback off the board, and technically he was listed as a safety, so even more of a feather in Madison's cap here. And what did Sneed do besides make the all-rookie team, topping all 16 of those rookies ahead of him? And when you look at the team, it's Antoine Winfield, Jeremy Chin, Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, Chase Young, Javon Kinlaw, our own Raekwon Davis. It's a list of first and second round picks. But Snead was a fourth round pick who had five picks and 15 pass breakups in two years under in college, I should say, at Louisiana Tech. And then in four years and 42 games as a pro under Madison, 19 picks, or eight picks, I should say, and 19 passes defensed. Playmaking is in his blood. 
That secondary also saw Juan Thornhill become an instant hit, a second-round rookie safety. We saw Traverius Ward have his career blossom under Madison. Same with Mike Hughes, a former first-rounder who washed out Minnesota and became a fixture for the Chiefs this year and even won an AFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, in a 48-9 win over the Raiders with two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Our safeties coach is going to be Steve Gregory. Not only did he play in the past version of this defensive system, he's coached in it. Playing with the Chargers, Patriots, and Chiefs, then he coached with Syracuse for a year as a quality control guy before making the jump to the Lions under Matt Patricia. And of course, he now joins the staff of a coach he played in under Josh Boyer in New England, who was the cornerbacks coach during Gregory's time there in New England as a safety and core special teamer. Speaking of special teams, that was his area of focus at Syracuse in 2016 before holding a defensive assistant job with the Lions from 18 to 19. Then he was promoted to DB's coach in 2020. He spent 2021 as a defensive assistant here in Miami, and now he gets the call to coach safeties with the Dolphins alongside Madison and Sertan. He coached current Dolphins cornerback Justin Coleman in Detroit. Also, 2019 fifth-round rookie Amani Owarie went from two-game starter as a rookie in 19 to a 15-game starter in 2020, same year that Gregory was promoted, and he helped him blossom into a guy that had seven picks and 21 passes defensed over the next two seasons. Also assisting the defense will be Derek LeBlanc, assistant D-line coach, Matthew Araujo, assistant defensive backs, Steve Ferenc, assistant linebackers, Ryan Slowick, senior defensive assistant, and Patrick Sertan, a defensive assistant, six years as a high school coach, three state championships, 2020 National Coach of the Year, the 10 on 10 story on the Fish Tank podcast. We'll talk about it all the time now, I'm sure. Technical proficiency. I remember when he arrived, everybody knew about Sam Madison, but by the end of their time together, I think you'd have felt comfortable with either guy going an entire game on the opposing offense number one receiver. They pressed, they challenged you, they were competitive as hell, they had ball skills. That's been such a key area of this team the last two years, and I'm so glad they'll be taking the reins to try to keep that train rolling. How about some special teams? Danny Crossman's back. An absolute stickler for details. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Few special teams coaches across the last few years can match Cross's ingenuity with the, with the, the trick plays and the different looks and the different types of ways to create blocks. He's had a blocked punt both of his years here. Successful fakes producing gems like Mac Hollins, and I think Sanders will get right back to the old reliable under Coach Crossman, no doubt about that. And tell me if this is a, pri- a surprise or not, one of my favorite people in the building. Every time I see him, what's up, baby? How you doing? Love Coach Cross. He's back. And then rounding it out here, assistant special teams will be Brendan Farrell to round out our, our Dolphins coaching staff. And so you heard plenty of coaches that'll be retained here, offensively, defense, and special teams. You know, Mike McDaniel places so much importance on relationships within the building. And I talked about how I already felt that coming in with the incumbents. You see those guys coming back and especially with the players who just, you know, you talk to Christian Wilkins about business and when it's time to, to have fun, when it's time to be about the ball. He said, it's always about ball. We always find a way to have fun too. And it's clear that he values the existing relationships between those players with each other, as well as their relationships with their coaches. And they have within that locker room. It was so consistent all the time to talk about the guys in the team and how much they love playing for each other because that shared common interest of wanting to be great and wanting to be a great team. It's great to have that continuity, even if they're not in the same role, even if the responsibility is you know seemingly less on paper, it speaks to both those coaches for the relationships they have and it speaks to Mike for the value he places on that and the ability to recognize the importance of that. And then here's my final tally on some fun facts from the assistant coaches who will head up rooms, i.e., 
safeties or corners, offensive coordinator, etc. Not your assistant offensive line coach or your assistant special teams coach. Guys, at the head of the room, here's the stats. 149 years NFL experience, 237 total years of coaching experience, five Super Bowl wins, 16 appearances, and they've coached 46 players within their room who went on to have an all-pro season. 46 of them. Not too bad. All right, that's your Dolphins 2022 coaching staff. That's my time here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. Go back and check out the Sam, or rather the Patrick Sertan episode. You don't want to miss that, as well as our YouTube channel with Dolphins Today and all of our media availabilities. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's already home.